us begin. Open up your Bibles, Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. I know the board says 9, but we're going to read 4 through 8. I took 9 out this morning. So I, I, we've been speaking on the theme, Be Filled. This will be our fourth sermon on that theme, on that series sermon of Be Filled. Uh, we we uh, mentioned it the first week was Pentecost in the church of today. Uh, th uh, the second sermon was Encounter in Pentecost. Last week, if you were here, Pastor Robert brought a powerful, beautiful sermon on Pentecost uh, in our family camp. We talked about a spirit-filled family. And today, we're going to finish off the sermon series. It'll be our last sermon on this series, and it's a God's power for God's people. Our overall theme, though, is be filled. Be filled. Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of, to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates. The father has said by his own authority, but you will. Receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the teaching of your word. I pray that it would land in our hearts this morning. I pray that before we leave here today, it will spark something within, within us that says, I want to live a life that is filled with your presence, O oh God. I pray that you would open up our hearts to sense, our ears to hear, our eyes to see exactly what you want to do in us and through us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. God's power for God's people. So like I said, our first sermon was Pentecost and the church of today. I share with you four points. Pentecost teaches us that we're not alone. Pentecost defines our purpose. Pentecost proves our faith in Christ. Pentecost reminds us that we must seek to be filled. You can go back in our uh, um, website and hear those sermons or social media pages. Sermon two was encountering Pentecost. How do we encounter Pentecost? Through steadfast prayer, through consecration, through perseverance, through unity, through availability. Last week, you heard a sermon on Pentecost. Uh, on the camp, the Lord spoke to us all weekend long, turning towards God. And uh, today, we want to speak on the theme, God's power for God's people. God's power for God's people. And like I said, it'll be our last uh, sermon on this series. So, a fancy car. A fancy car. Can you get that up there for me? A fancy car. How many think that's a pretty fancy car, right? For Pastor's Day, anybody? I'm okay with that. <laughs> Uh, all right, no, that was a joke. All right. Um, it looks like a pretty fast car for us. I mean, you put that car on a track. I could imagine that it, 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 it runs the track. It burns rubber. It goes fast. But that fancy-looking car that we assume here goes very fast, if it had no gasoline, would be utterly useless. No gasoline. It got good presentation, looks good. You could park it in your driveway. People will be impressed on how it looks. It's got potential. If it had gasoline, it would be fast. Its, it's intention is to be a fast car, but 
If it has no gasoline, ultimately without gas, it's rendered useless. It has no purpose. It can do no good, regardless of its presentation, regardless of its intention, and regardless of its potential. Without gas, it's useless. The church, without an empowerment of the Holy Spirit, can also be rendered useless. We may have a good presentation, but without the power of the Holy Spirit, we can never do what we're called to do. Uh, we may have potential within us. We may sing good. We may have a, a lot of knowledge, a lot of book smarts, a lot of degrees, a lot of credentials, a lot of titles. But if there is not an empowerment, a filling of the Holy Spirit, then we are just that. We're just sitting in the driveway with a lot of potential, but we're not doing what we're called to do. Utterly we may be deemed useless. Utterly without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit upon the church, we can never accomplish the God-given commission that says go out into the world. Without an empowerment of the Holy Spirit, uh, we can never accomplish and fulfill the great call of God upon our lives. That is why Jesus told his disciples Go into Jerusalem and wait until you receive the promise. They already had been commissioned. They already had heard of the Great Commission. They already knew that God had called them. He already had sent them out two by two. They knew what ministry was like. They knew what they needed to do. But he told them, don't leave Jerusalem until you have been empowered uh, by the gift, by the promise that my Father has promised us, the counselor, um, the dunamis. Because he knew that without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit upon them, they would not be able to fulfill the great call upon their lives. Amen. Amen. On the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came upon the church, they were empowered. The Holy Spirit came and, and, uh, and, and gave them dunamis, dunamis, power. Today it is the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that gives the church the power that it needs to confront the evils of this world. It is the power of God that destroys, that destroys the yoke of the enemy. It is salvation. If salvation has reached us through the message of grace, we receive that message of grace. But that message of grace is also accompanied by the power of God. And it's the power of God that helps bring change to our lives. If today we're living different, if we're living better, it's not just because we got good discipline in ourselves, in fact, if we think about when we were lost, when we were in charge of ourselves, when we did it on our own, when we left it to our own strength, we found ourselves broken and lost and in need of a Savior. And the grace of God reached us. And the power of God came over our lives and it began a process in us that we never thought would happen. And today we are better because of God's grace and the power of God that dwells within us and it is coming slowly out of us. And it is changing us. That is the power of God. Today, 
Today, the church of God needs to remember that we need empowerment. We need dunamis if we want to finish the call of God in our lives. And today, if we feel bold for the gospel, it's only because the power of God is with us. And if you feel bold to preach the good news, it's only because of the empowerment of the Holy Spirit within you. Uh, if you feel bold to live the life that God has called you to live in season and out of season, it's only because of the Holy Spirit of God that resides within you, empowers you for the task at hand. So today I want to speak on the theme, God's power for God's people. And the church says, Amen. four observations for us today. The first one is the nature of this power. Let's define this power, the nature of this power. Uh, remember that the, the power of God is promised to the church. Verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Jesus told them, power will come on you. Something that they did not have, they would have. Jesus was letting them know there's something right now that you're missing and our Father is going to send it to you. I've asked and when I leave, he says, the Father will send it to you. And he says, don't leave Jerusalem until you receive it. In other words, they did not have it. And God and Jesus was telling them, uh, wait until they receive dunamis, power. This word dunamis is where we get our English word from dynamite, dynamo. Uh, it, it has to do with strength, power, and ability. It has to do with uh, a power for performing of miracles, power for moral uh, excellence, power for excellence of soul. It has to do with power consisting in, in armies. In other words, what we cannot do on our own, Dunamis says uh, that now you can do it because you have this power of God upon your life. And he says, I'm going to give you this Dunamis, this power. This is the same power that flowed from Jesus. It's the same dunamis. It's the same power. In fact, you remember in the baptism of Jesus, right? He, we hear the, the voice uh, uh, of the Father, the proclamation of John uh, the Baptist. We also see the person of Jesus. And then the dove that comes from heaven, the symbol of the Holy Spirit that comes upon Jesus to what? Empower him for the next three and a half years of ministry. The same power that was upon Jesus is the same power now that resides upon the church. And Luke chapter 6, verse 19, I love it. It says, and the people all tried to touch him because power dunamis was coming from him and healing them all. The same power was healing them all. Remember the woman with the subject of bleeding for 12 years? Jesus says, someone touched me. And the disciple says, well, a whole bunch of people touching you. He says, no, I know that dunamis power has gone out from me. The same power that was on Jesus is now upon the church. When people were observing Jesus in Luke chapter 4, their observation of Jesus, this is what they said. And they were all amazed and said to one another, what is this word for with authority and power, he comes, uh, he, he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out with power. Jesus has this power. It's the same power that Jesus tells his disciples. Um, wait for the promise. He foretells 
about this power for the disciples. He foretells them. In John chapter 14, verse 26, he says, But the counsel of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I said to you. John 16, 7, he says, But I tell you the truth. It is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. In other words, he's letting him know, it's good for me to leave because what's going to come is one just like me, the triune God, the Holy Spirit. But when he comes, he's going to come and he is going to empower you for what you need next. So don't leave Jerusalem because you won't be able to do it without the dunamis of God, without the power of God. So we're talking about the nature of this power, right? Uh, this power comes from God the Father. Acts chapter 1. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father, which uh, you have heard me speak about. It's the nature uh, of this power. It comes from the Father. Uh, he reminds us of this. And I love that this power wasn't just for the first generation church. It wasn't just for the primitive church. This power is for all generations. Jesus said in John 14, 16, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The Spirit of truth, verse 17. For all generations. It's the nature of this power. It's the nature of this power. Uh, it's for the church. It's the same one that was on Jesus. It's sent by the Father. Uh, it empowers the church. It is for all generations. It's the nature of this power. It is the ability and the strength to do what we cannot do. So when we think about this, this power that he leaves for the church for all times, that he would know that we needed to do the work that he has called us to do, that it is... Uh, comes from God, that it is a supernatural work given to us by, by the Father with the Holy Spirit, that it has nothing to do with our own gifting, but this comes from God for us. It is a gift from God to the church, and because it comes from the Father, it should remind us of a few things. I'm talking about the nature of the power, right? It, uh, it should remind us of a few things. Three things that it reminds us of. Some points of application, really quick. It reminds us that we are. It reminds us that what we are called to do cannot be done with natural gifting. Amen. It reminds us of this. It reminds us that the church cannot do what it is called to do on its own. It needs the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit upon the church to fulfill and accomplish all that has been entrusted to the church. The work of the church cannot be done without the power of the Holy Spirit being active within the church. Anointing comes only from the Lord. Amen. Some people are real charismatic. They're, they're good joke tellers and, 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 and they, they, they get our attention. And that's a natural gifting to be charismatic. But to be charismatic will just encourage us for the moment. It'll just make us laugh right now. But the anointing of God that comes with power brings change. It brings change. It, it may make us feel well in the moment, but it also makes us feel well tomorrow. Because our Sunday must change our Monday. The, the working of God changes who we are. You see, preaching is not successful if it's not 
under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Teaching is not successful if it's not under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Worship is not successful if it's not under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We're just singing if there is not an anointing in this place. Holy Spirit is upon the church. If we want to see powers for miracles, well, that comes from the Lord. And let us also always be careful when we hear individuals talk about, you know, I have this gift. I have the gift of healing. I have the gift of prophecy. One time somebody came in here and was like, yeah, my name is Prophet Adam. I'm looking at him and I go, oh, yeah, your name is Prophet? Like it's on your birth certificate? And he's like, no, 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 the Lord gave me that name. And I said, why did the Lord give you that name? Because I, I, I have the gift of prophecy. I said, you own it? Do you own it? Because if you own it, then that means you can control it. That means you have dominion over it. And then that means it's not really God, it's really you. Because you have ownership over it. It's your gift. I do know of the gift of prophecy. And when the Lord wants to speak to someone, then he comes upon them to edify the church. To edify the church and for the salvation of the lost. But that I can be careful to say, I have ownership over this spiritual gift. Because that means I have dominion and control over it. And the church says, Amen. So we're talking about the nature of, of, of this gift, the nature of the power of God. We're reminded of a few things. And we're reminded, it's important, that, that what we are called to do cannot be done without cannot be done without this empowerment. What we are called to do cannot be done with natural gifting. It just can't be done. Uh, another reminder for us today with regard to the nature of the power. Uh, this reminds us that our battle is a spiritual battle and not one from flesh and blood. Because it's a supernatural empowerment, we must remember uh, that there is a supernatural battle here because it's a heavenly it's a heavenly uh, uh, empowerment. We're reminded that there is a heavenly battle. And it is only through the working of the Holy Spirit that we can have success in the spiritual realm. Our battle is against the powers of this dark world. Our battles are against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. That the church has an, an, an enemy. And he attacks the church in the spiritual realm. And without the dunamis of God, well, we can never overcome temptation. Chains can never be broken. The yoke of the enemy can never be destroyed if dunamis and the power of God doesn't reside upon the church. This is why the Bible tells us greater is he who's in us than he who's in the world. It's a reminder to us that with the supernatural empowerment of the Holy Spirit, the church is always successful. Greater is he who's in us than he who's in the world. We're reminded that the Bible says no weapon forged against us will prosper. We're reminded that the Bible says that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Why? Why? Because we've been empowered uh, to win this supernatural battle, this battle of the heavenly realms, because we have dunamis, the power of God. It's a reminder to us when we talk about the, the nature of this power. It reminds us that what we're called to do uh, cannot be done with natural gifting. It reminds us that, that our battle is a battle, is a spiritual battle, not one of flesh and blood. And our third reminder in this point is, it reminds us that our call is a heavenly call. 
It's not a man-made call because it is accompanied by heavenly gifting. So it's a heavenly call. I love that Jesus tells the disciples, wait there in Jerusalem because the call upon your life will need a heavenly empowerment. Your natural gifting is not enough to have success in Jerusalem and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You need to be empowered with the Holy Spirit because this is a heavenly call. And that just always moves my heart to think that God would call me, Carlos, with my insecurities, with my vulnerabilities, that he, he would call me, and he, that he would call us, uh, isn't it a wonderful thing that he, he knows who he calls and he says, you know, on your own, you're not going to be able to do this, but I'm going to empower you so that when he does use you and he does use me, we can never say things like, wow, I'm so gifted. We can never say those things because when we really know who we are and our failures and our vulnerabilities and our weaknesses and our insecurities, oh, we could only say, this was done through the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And this heavenly call reminds us that it's not a man-made call. And it reminds us that it's not our agenda, but it's God's agenda. It reminds us that it's not our will, that it's God's will. It's not our work, it's God's work. It's not our power, it's God's power. We're just instruments in His hands. That's all that we are. Instruments in hands, in His hands for His glory and for His honor. That's the nature of the power of God. And the church says, Amen. so we're talking about God's power for God's people. Our first point this morning is uh, the nature uh, of this power. Uh, the, nature, uh, the nature of this power. Our second point, who's entitled to this power? Who's entitled to this power? Um, verse 8. We're coming mostly out of verse 8. But you will receive power. You will receive power. He's talking to the disciples, to the church, to the disciples, to those who are followers of Jesus, those who obey Christ's command and, and show that they are his disciples. And John chapter 14, look what he says. If you love me, keep my commandments. Verse 16. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. So he says, if you love me, keep my commandments and, in other words, if you do these things, and then I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. In other words, he says, if you love me, keep my commands. And my Father, he will send dunamis, the power of God, the Holy Spirit over you. And he's talking to his disciples. And this reminds us that this empowerment is not just for everyone. Remember a couple of sermons ago, I told you, God will save anybody, but he's looking for particular people to pour his power into. He'll save anybody. He seals us in our most desperate times in life, and anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. But he's looking for particular people that he can say, man, I'm, I'm going to use you with power and might. And who are those people? Those are the ones who love him and keep his commandments. This is not just for everyone. What does this mean to love God? And I, as I was studying this, I said, oh my God, I could do a whole sermon uh, on just this. And so much was coming out of it. And I said, Lord, just help me to just lock it in uh, for this moment right now. But what does it mean to love God? To love God means to, uh, uh, to, love, God means to love people. Yeah. Because people are like, Lord, I love you. 
and they don't want to look at their neighbors. That's not to love God, right? To love God means to love all people regardless of the color of their skin, regardless of the language that they speak, regardless of their social status in the world that we live in. Uh, to love God is to love all people. To love God is to love all people. Uh, well, what does it mean then to love God? It means uh, uh, to love God means to love his ways. What are his ways? Forgiveness, humility, meekness. I said, I got to stop here. But to love God means to love his ways. Forgiveness, humility, uh, meekness. To, to, to forgive someone means to, I, I render the right for revenge. That's what it means to forgive. It doesn't mean to forget. It's impossible. Only God has the ability to send things into the sea of forgetfulness and forget. It's impossible. We can't forget the harm, the betrayal that someone has done. It's impossible. But how do we forgive? I render the right to pay you back. Amen. I won't talk bad about you even though you talked bad about me. I won't hurt you even though you hurt me. I won't shame you even though you shamed me. Um, I, I forgive you. I, it still hurts. I still got to deal with some of the pain, but, but I have forgiven you and I, and I render the right for revenge. That's God's way and that's how we show God that we're loving him. Humility to say, uh, not my way, God's way. Uh, to put pride in its place. To eat humble pie in times when we want to lance out and say what's on our heart and our minds. But we, you know, we, humility, meekness, power under control. Meekness says, I have the right to slap you. I'm sorry. I may not be meek. Did I say that? <laughs> People are like, oh, I want to be meek right now. No, no, no. Meekness teaches us that although we have the right to slap someone, meekness says, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> oh, i got to move on from this point because I'm going to laugh. <laughs> what does it mean to love God? <laughs> Can we blurt that out of our Facebook page? Uh, it means uh, to love His ways. Forgiveness, humility, meekness. It means to love His will. Not my way, God, but Your way, Lord. My way means I'll do things that benefit me. God's way says, I will do things that benefit others. Amen. It's hard. But that's what it is to love God. To be obedient, right? Um, it, it means to love righteousness. Yes. To stand up for what is right. To love righteousness. To love consecration. To love holiness and separation. This is what it means to love God. And God is looking for a particular type of people to empower. To pour. He's not just going to do it with anybody. Nope. He'll save anybody. But he's looking for a particular type of people to empower. And he's looking for those that love him. And to love him means to love all people. To, to love his ways. To love his will. To love righteousness. To deny ourselves to follow Jesus. Jesus, in one occasion, looks at someone and says, if you want to be my disciple, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. 
He was saying, if you, if you really, really want to be like me, if you want the Father to use you like the Father uses me, well, that's not going to come easy. You're going to have to deny yourself. You're going to have to take up your cross, and you're going to have to do it the way that I do it. And that's the type of people that God wants to pour out. There was a man, Simon the sorcerer. He was following Jesus. He, he was following the disciples. Forgive me. He was following the disciples. And when he saw how God was using them, and that he would put their, they would put their hands on people and they would receive the Holy Spirit, he was like, give me that power. Because he thought that it was something that he could use for his own benefit. Today, sometimes I think that when we look, uh, people are interested in their, they want to use the church for their own benefit. But uh, I love how they respond. They say, may your silver perish with you because you thought you could attain the gift of God with money. In other words, this is not just for anyone. Not for anyone. Man, who is entitled to this power? Those who love God. Those, those who love obedience to follow Jesus. And, and uh, I want to move on from this point, but those who receive, those who are entitled to this, love God, love obedience, follow Jesus. Th th those are the ones that he will empower. Those are the ones that... Uh, he's willing to say, you know what, I, I'm going to give you all the tools that you need to advance my kingdom forward. I'm going to give you all the tools. The church will never lack tools to advance the kingdom of God forward. In fact, in Luke chapter 9, verse 1, it says this, When Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out demons and to cure diseases. In other words, he says, you know, you guys, I'm going to go out. And I'm going to give you all that you need for success. To advance the kingdom of God forward, we need dunamis, the power of God. Right? Uh, who's entitled to this? Those who surrender to the will of God. Those who love God. Those who are obedient. Those who follow him. Those who are, know that, that he is sending us and we're willing to submit our way to his ways. He'll save anybody. But he's looking for a particular people to empower and the church says, Amen. so we're talking about God's power for God's people, the nature of God's power, uh, uh, who's entitled to the power. Number three, um, what is the power for? What is the power for? So I love verse eight, is, uh, a verse we're coming out of, uh, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. So that word witnesses in the original language has a couple of different meanings. It's used a couple of different ways, but uh, here the idea is, in a legal sense. Yeah. It's a legal sense. In other words, you are legally representing me when I am not here. Uh, he's saying you will be my witnesses. What is the power for? The power is to represent Jesus here on this earth. It's not to represent a ministry, an organization. It's not to represent an individual. No, we are here to represent Jesus. We are his legal representatives. In fact, the Apostle Paul, he uses the word Christ ambassadors in Corinthians. He says, we are Christ ambassadors. We are the legal representation of Jesus here on the earth. We are his witnesses. Witnesses. I don't know if that means anything to you, but when I think that, that I represent Jesus here on earth, it moves my heart to think, oh my God, what a great responsibility is over my life. 
what a great responsibility is over your life. That we are his representatives, his ambassadors. He makes, Paul writes this, and he says, he makes his appeal through us. So I think about that. I say, Lord, you're calling us to be your witnesses. Yeah. Well, you know, the Bible teaches us that we are salt. Of, we are the salt of this world. The representatives of Christ. We are the witnesses of him. The Bible teaches us this. What is this power for? Why are we witnesses? So we could put a whole bunch of points here. Right? We're, we're, his, we're witnesses. We have the power to preach. I'm not talking about preaching from this altar. Uh, you, you all hear me, and, and you're, you're here, and, but that we all are called to preach. You and I are called to preach. In, in one of our sermons uh, on talking about being filled, I said that we would pray that God would intentionally put us in a place where we could bring forth the message and that we would pray, God, intentionally give me the, 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 the boldness at the moment to say what I need to say. Because we're all, we're all preachers of God's word. And you may say, but Pastor Carlos, I'm going to start instituting in September. I don't got it yet. That's okay. Because there's something about the empowerment of God that comes upon us. And what we can't do, he does for us. What we can't do. What we can't do. For you, trust him. Because he is advancing the kingdom of God forward through you. You're just an instrument in his hands. Just an instrument in his hands. Because you have power to preach. I'm going to move quickly through some of these things. Uh, where the power for miracles. I'm praying. I said, Lord, would you do miracles among us in this season? Yes, Father, yes. I'm praying. I said, Lord, yes. would you do miracles among us in this season? The truth is, uh, maybe someone here can testify different. But we haven't seen the miracles as we wish to see them, Lord. Lord, help us to be so consecrated and so committed to you and so committed to your ways and so filled with your spirit, Lord God, that you would do miracles in this place, oh Lord. Yes, and, and miracles so that the people could see yes. that God is at work among his people. Uh, so that the people, I love Acts chapter 8 verse 6, look what it said. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the miracle signs he did, they all paid close attention to what he said. Oh, Lord, would you do miracles among your people so that the people will pay close attention to what your word says. And faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So we know that if, if they... Pay close attention to what you are saying, Lord. You will change and transform this generation for you, Lord. So we ask, God, would you, would you do miracles among us in this season of our lives, oh Lord? We're not asking miracles for our own particular healing. We'll submit to whatever you want to do with our lives and our bodies. We'll, we'll submit and we'll persevere. So we don't ask for our own well-being, God. But we ask so that the community would hear your words, oh Lord. We would hear your words and, and that they would believe. And they would believe. We're praying for miracles in this season. The power of God 
oh, what is it for, right? It's the power to preach for miracles. It's also powerful for character issues. And if you read uh, Colossians 1, verses 10 to 12, it talks about the strengthening and the power of God according to his mighty work so that we can endure and we can be patient and joyful. In other words, that we can bear good fruit. So we, we ask God, God, would you empower us so that we can do good, so that we can do good, so that we can represent you well, so that we can be good witnesses. And his, his Holy Spirit helps us. And if you have been in a circumstance recently where you feel like, oh, I did good with that trial. Somebody came and offended me, and I did good. Don't pat yourself too much. It was the Holy Spirit that helped you. It was the Holy Spirit, because in your own sinful nature, you wanted to handle it different. But the Holy Spirit helped you. That's what he does. That's what dunamis does. Dunamis also helps us in our trials. In our trials, right? Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We have this power in jars of clay. This is the jars of clay. We have the power that resides within us to show that this power is from God and not from us. Verse 8 and 9. We're hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not despaired. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. In other words, we overcome trial because in this jar of clay, we have this dunamis, this power that comes only from God. So we could overcome trials and hardships. And maybe you're going through some things in your life right now. Maybe it's emotional. Maybe it's physical. Maybe it's financial. Maybe, maybe it's the trials of life that have taken you through hurt and pain and, and taken you through, through a, a betrayal. And, and you're not sure of the next. I want to tell you that although your situation seems that you have this in a jar of clay, remember that there also resides the power of God and although you are pressed on every side you are not crushed and although perplexed you are not in despair you're persecuted but you are not abandoned you're struck down but you are not destroyed why wow, you've been empowered dunamis resides within us resides within us so we're talking about God's power for God's people today we've talked about God's power for God's people. We talked about the nature uh, of, of the power. We talked about who's entitled. Uh, we talked about what is it for. And our last point this morning, and I'm going to close. How can I receive this power? How can I receive this power? Right? Because I, I think there are many of us that are sealed. We come to Jesus. We're saved. We're sealed. You know? Um, but we're still functioning in a, in a lot of our own a lot of our own natural strength. And God says, I want you to humble yourself. I want you to empty yourself of your own ego, of your own I, of your own will, of your own ways, and empty yourself of those things. And give me enough space in your life where I can be the empowering force within you. Uh, I can be the empowering force within you. How, how, how can we do this? Well, uh, our second sermon talked a lot about this, but I just remind you the words of Jesus, but seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness. And all these other things will be added on to you. I want to remind you, seek the Lord, seek his kingdom, seek his will uh, for your life, uh, for what he wants to do in you and through you. 
Yet you have your own journey that you're battling with, and then you also, what comes parallel with that is, well, what does God want to do in you and through you? He wants to deliver you through your journey, but he also wants to do something extra special with you. I want to remind you today, it's time for us to seek the Lord. It has to be all about Jesus. It can't be about anything else. If we want dunamis and we want the power of God, it needs to be a total surrendering. It needs to be everything about Jesus. Uh, that we empty ourselves of our own will, our own way, and we remember, Lord, not my will, but your will. All about you, Lord. And those are the people that God can use. So I finished reading the verse again, but you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So I close um, just re reading once again Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Mark Ephesians 5.18 in, in your Bible. I've quoted a lot of verses in the sermon, but if you didn't write them down, write down Ephesians 5.18. Highlight it in your Bible. Highlight it in your app. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. And I, I, yes, and it's literally talking about alcohol here. But if, if you can uh, be reminded, there are many earthly things. There are many things that life brings that lead to debauchery, that lead to confusion that leads to a loss of our senses is what that original word there means. That's why it's telling us don't get drunk because you lose your senses. So if there's many things on this earth that, that we lose our senses. We lose our focus. We lose the very thing that God wants to do in us. We lose it because we've allowed earthly things to take root in our lives. And they take root and they don't, they don't allow place for the Holy Spirit. But our message over the last four sermons has been be filled. That we would uh, have this focus as, as individuals, not as a church. No, no. Pentecost begins with the individual and, and, the, and it flows through the church. It doesn't start with the church and flow through the individual. No. It begins with you. It begins with me individually and then it flows through the outskirts of the body of Christ. That, that we would remember what is it that we have given space to to our life that has clouded our focus. The Lord is saying, don't, don't get filled with those things. Trust me for the next. Trust me for tomorrow. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. That term there is present tense. I've spoken about this. It's every hour. It's every minute, it's every second, it's every day filled. This life that we live as believers is not up and down. No, it's consistently filled with the Holy Spirit. Consistently. Because God is looking to use a church in these times filled with dunamis to do what we cannot do. He wants to do it in us and through us for the edification of the church and the salvation of the lost. I invite you to stand as we close in prayer.
spoken into my heart. I know you have spoken to your church over these last few sermons. That we would be filled. That we would not be just religious. That we would not just be of those, Lord, that are, are simply content with salvation. No. That we would want to be of those that are endowed, empowered, filled with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Because we know, Lord, that you are coming soon and you're calling a church in this season. Father, I pray, oh Lord, that we would hear and that we would respond. I pray, oh Lord, that we would wake up in the morning and be intentional with denying ourselves, emptying ourselves, and giving space for your Holy Spirit to move in our lives, oh Lord. Do it, Lord, we ask. We ask, Lord, that you would fill us on this day, Lord, every day of our lives. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Fill us with your power. Fill us with dunamis, oh Lord. Give us the ability and the strength to do the things that we cannot do on our own, oh Lord. Father, I pray, forgive us, God, of those times when we wrote out on our own gifting, on our own way, and we did it uh, our own way, oh Lord, and we just, we just winged it, Lord, because we thought that we could. Father, we pray, Lord, that we would be of those that say, if you don't go with us, if you don't go with us, Lord, we don't go. Fill us, Lord. Would you fill us, Lord? Can you begin to ask the Lord to fill you at this moment? Can you begin to ask the Lord to fill you at this moment? Can you begin to say, Lord, less of me and more of you. Help me to love you. Help me to be obedient. Help me to serve you, Lord. Uh, uh, can you come together today and say, Lord, I want to be the church that waits on you for empowerment. For empowerment. And like the primitive church that came and changed the direction of of the land that we would also be used in a mighty mighty way hallelujah as I get ready to close and get my part up maybe you're visiting us here today and you're far from God but today is the day of salvation for you don't leave here the same I want to encourage you to, to say you know okay God I surrender all give him a try Jesus, your future days will be better than your past days. If you're here and you don't know Jesus, as we sing this next song, then if I come to the Lord, I want to pray with you a prayer of salvation. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this sermon. We pray it blesses and encourages your life. 